0: aspirations that that drive those people. Every one of us wake up with a passion or a desire that drives us more than any single thing. It's a fact of life. Some people wake up and they think immediately, money. Money, money, honey. I want more money. And that's their passion. They live for it. Have you ever watched these stockbrokers? It's amazing. You watch the stock market There they are at the the New York Stock Exchange. Have you ever watched their faces? They live and breathe to watch those numbers change. All they're doing is pursuing and chasing and panting for money. And when the market doesn't do well, some of them jump out of windows and kill themselves. Hey, my life is not built on the money I have. Jesus said, your life does not consist in the abundance of the things you possess life doesn't come from possessions it comes from him and knowing him if you know him and you're progressively coming to know him better and better and better you're richer than a billionaire out there whose soul is lost it's a fact it's a fact some people get up and boy they think all about fame American Idol, just watch those people. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be rich and famous. I'm going to be known all over the world. I'm going to be a famous individual. And they live and breathe and sleep and eat fame. For others, it's the family life they've envisioned since they were young. Athletes burn to win a race, to set a new record, obtain a gold medal. But Paul's master passion was none of those things. Paul woke up and thought, Jesus. Paul woke up and said, Oh, I've got to know him. Paul woke up and said, Good morning, Lord. When he went to bed at night, he said, Good night, Lord. All through the day, his heart was beating to know Jesus better that I may know him. That's why he said things like, for me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm all about Jesus. I'm consumed with Jesus. I want more of Jesus. I don't have enough of Jesus. I want to know him better. I'm going to seek him with all of my heart. He is the reason that I exist. Oh, that God would give us churches full of people like that all over the United States of America. That we don't love the world. We don't love the flesh. We don't love naturally the devil or the things of the devil, but we have a passion for Christ. It's the number one thing that we wake up and want. Him. Him. Think about it. It's my number one desire. That was Paul's master passion. He had met him. Now he wanted to know him better progressively. There's all the difference in the world between meeting somebody and knowing somebody. I meet people all the time who I'll never know real well. To know somebody really well requires some effort, genuine interest, spending quality time with them, making the time to be with them and around them. My dogs, I have four of them. It's crazy. All I do is sweep the floor because two of them are shedders. They shed. But... I've noticed something. Out back, they have cut a trail through the grass. Because when I let them out back, there's one place they go straight for. I don't know what it is. It's the tree. Now, I know what you're thinking. But they look up there for the infamous squirrels all the time. They're out there looking like this. But they make a beeline for that tree. They get right to that tree, and now there's a path cut through that grass, and that's where they always go. And and, and that path tells me everything I need to know about those dogs and their interests. When I open the back door, that's right where they go for. Now let me ask you a question. If we could see into the spirit arena, would there be a trail leading to a place where you pray and meet God? Would there be a trail? Would there be a path cut through where you get up and you say, Man, before I do anything, I gotta be with him. I, I, I gotta read more about him. I gotta seek him. I, 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 I wanna be with Jesus before I do anything else. And, and just like those animals that leave a path that speaks of their interest and their passion, do we leave and cut a path to his presence? Well, y'all are quiet tonight. But isn't that true? I want there to be a place where there is no grass. I have cut such a path. No grass could live because I'm going back and forth so much that there is a trail that bespeaks of my desire to be with him. Think about that. That was Paul. Now, next, he tells us what he hopes for. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, the phrase... I know what you're thinking. I read this, and I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is he uncertain about his salvation? If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead? Well, of course you're going to, Paul. What do you mean? That phrase, if by any means I may attain, is not to be understood as if he doubted it, which would be for sure inconsistent with his firm conviction that nothing should separate him from the love of God and with his full assurance of faith in Jesus Christ. So that's not what it is. Here's what he's saying. It denotes the various afflictions and great tribulations a believer must pass before he comes to the kingdom of God. Look at what Paul wrote in another place. It says he went about strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying read it with me we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of god do you understand that tonight church that this is not a cakewalk we're in a battle we're in a world that is at war spiritually and we're going to we're going to get some cuts and we're going to get some bruises and we're going to we're going to get some Pain, and we're going to experience some fire because we're in a battle. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. It's a fight. That's why Paul at the end said, Hey, I'm so glad it's just about over for me. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. But he admitted it was a fight. It was a fight. Good fight, but it was a fight. So you shouldn't marvel and you shouldn't wonder. That you experience afflictions and troubles and hardships. And he he said it in another place, endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't gripe, don't complain, don't feel like God's not with you. He is with you. He will grace you to go through the fire, but he will not always pull you out of your troubles. You will pass through some of those troubles. But grace will get you to the other side. Now, he next admits to not having yet arrived at his goal. He says in verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say that with me. I press on. I'm not perfect yet. That old bumper sticker that was just a bunch of letters, but when you, you read it out, it said, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. That's what Paul's saying. I'm not perfected yet, but here's what I'm doing. Even though I'm not perfect yet, I'm growing and I am pressing. I am pushing. I am seeking. I am praying. I am not getting out of the race. I am not putting up the white flag. I am not staying home, picking up my marbles and going home and getting out of the game. No, no, no. I'm in the middle of the field and I'm going to press into him that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Oh, I could park in that verse right there. I could park right there. Let me unpack that verse, because this one, this is one of my favorites. Notice what he says here. He says, God laid hold of me. The phrase lay hold of comes from a powerful Greek word meaning to seize tight hold of to arrest, to catch, to capture. We Christians have all been laid hold of by God. So you woke up and you said, well, last night I found the Lord. No, you did not. You didn't find the Lord. He was, he was working on you for years, dear. He was working on you. People were praying for you. The devil was trying to keep hold of you. And, and God finally laid hold. He captured. He caught He arrested. He seized you. You ever seen a fish coming out of the water, really caught? That was you. (laughs) I'm serious now. God caught you. God seized you. God grabbed hold of you. He laid hold of you. He grabbed hold of you by the scruff of your sinful neck. Told you to himself he captured us by grace he seized tight hold of us by mercy and he arrested us for a divine purpose and what is the divine purpose that little word in the verse that that i may lay hold of say it with me that what is that that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of you. Every one of you have a that over your life. What is that? You're that, it, my that, my that, it, and your that, because we're all individuals, but we've all got a that over our life. And it was what God had in his mind when he reached out and laid hold of you, he had something in his mind. I see them here. I see them there. I see them doing this. I see them doing that. I've created them, fashioned them, designed them, custom made them for my glory to do a certain thing on the earth, not just to make it to heaven someday, but there is a that. Mm -mm 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 -mm. This is going to sink into some of you in a minute. And the most important thing you can do is find out what that is and do it. He captured us by grace. He captured us with a divine purpose in mind. Having been laid hold of by God, we are now to reciprocate and make it our life's ambition to lay hold of, capture, seize tight hold of that which was in God's mind when He laid hold of us. Mm. this is powerful stuff here because see a lot of us think well Jesus came to die on the cross so that one day I go to heaven but oh there's so much more than that I was 18 years old God saved, saved me when I was 16 I had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit when I was 18 when I fully yielded my life to him and as I sought him and worshipped him and praised him and came into his presence he began to reveal that for which he had laid hold of me and it was more than heaven i'm doing that right now and and, and there's a that for you You so what is it pastor jeff well you go find out i don't know but i do I, i can tell you who does know he who laid hold of you with a that in mind for you I hate to move on because I love that. I love this about that. Amen? Amen. Say with me, I've got a that over my life. It's His will, His purpose for for me. Isn't that exciting? That way you ought not ever get up and go, oh, no, another day. You ought to get up. Some people get up. Oh, good Lord, it's morning. No, get up and say, good morning, Lord. Help me to go do that for which you laid hold of me. Amen. Now, Paul tells us what we're going to have to do if we're going to succeed in laying hold of that and doing that for which he laid hold of us. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Everybody say with me, forgetting. Forgetting those things which are where? Behind. Back there in the rear view mirror. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Two important verbs here. Forgetting, reaching. Forgetting, reaching. He's saying there is something about the past, that if you can't learn to let go of your mistakes, your regrets, your angers, your bitternesses, your unforgivenesses, if you can't pull your eye away from the rearview mirror and let the past be the past because it's past, it's going to hinder you from reaching. No forgetting, no reaching. Forgetting, reaching. I don't know about you, but life is too short to be stuck in a rut called the past. But a lot of people live there, have built their house there, have several violins in that house that they play all the time. They invite people into that house for pity parties to tell their sad story about how they this and that and the other and were hurt and were offended and were abused, and I'm not making light of it, but I'm telling you there comes a time when you've got to grow up and say, I can't do anything about the past, but I can do something about my future. Come on, church. We've got to get out of this past thing. Oh, that past will haunt you. It'll shackle you. It'll muzzle you. It'll vex you. It'll bind you. It'll chain you. Only problem is you can't go back and change it. Because it's past. But he says, Man, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting D.L. Moody used to say, it's better to say this one thing I do than to say these 40 things I dabble with. I like that. I believe if you try to chase five rabbits, you're liable to get none of them. But if you focus on one, you're probably going to get him. Bottom line is, we are after that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of us. That's my rabbit. That's my rabbit. And I'm going to pursue it and I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish my course... As long as I can say, you know, I've made mistakes. I have regrets. We all do. There's not a person in here that doesn't have a skeleton somewhere in your closet. I mean, there's things I'd give anything I could go back and undo. But you have to come to a place where you go, I can't dwell, I can't drive this car of life looking in the rearview mirror. I'm going to crash. I've got to say, Lord, forgive me, and I receive your forgiveness and I'm going to move on. You think this was easy for Paul? Very few have had as much to forget as Paul. He openly admitted, look at this, in Galatians 1.13, he says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my very best to destroy it. But he didn't stop there. In the book of Acts, he tells this story. I persecuted the way, that is, the Christian life, Christianity, the way, capital W. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and I went to Damascus to bring in chains, Even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. I was going to chain and imprison and kill Christians. He was there in Acts chapter 9 when Stephen was killed, giving his consent to Stephen's martyrdom. Don't you know that those voices of people being put in prison, children saying, no, 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 don't take mommy and daddy away from me. Please don't do it. Don't you know the devil tried to heap that on him and beat him up with that? And who are you to be an apostle to the Gentiles, you hypocrite? You kill them? You imprison them? I know the devil. I know how he works. I know how he talks to you. Why don't you let somebody more worthy do this instead of you, Paul? Paul said, No, no, no. I've had a revelation, and it's called the cross. I've got a revelation on that cross. And on that cross, terrible as my sin was, it was washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. What I did is not stronger than the blood. Where I went is not stronger than the blood. The pain I brought is not stronger than the blood. The regrets I have are not stronger than the blood. I've got the blood on my life. And so I'm forgiven. And I receive God's forgiveness. That word forget does not mean to develop spiritual amnesia it's a greek word that actually means put it out of your mind put it out of your mind with an act of your will put it out of your mind devil comes and says hey remember what you did remember remember that sin you committed remember that 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 immorality you were involved in or that drunkenness or that drug abuse or whatever it was or 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 that person you hurt or that betrayal you were involved do you remember that and before you know it, you're driving down the road and you're, you're agreeing with the voice of the enemy. And he's talking to you, doing his best to take away you, from you your joy and your peace before you get into the place of business where you work so that nobody will see the joy you've got in God. And you have to say, you know what? I am forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. So I'm going to put it out of the, my mind by an act of the will. I'm just putting it out. Get out of here. Kick it. It means to purposely put it out of your mind. Say this with me. The past is the past because it's past. Turn to somebody and tell them that. The past is the past because it's past. Now give God praise for that. we got to get there. Amen. (laughs) Telling you the truth. Once you've done some forgetting, you can do some pressing. He says next in verse 14, I press toward the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Throughout this whole passage, we see Paul as a man running a race. And believe it or not, folks, so are you, and so am I. I'm in hot pursuit of that for which he laid hold of me. His head is thrust forward. Picture Paul. His head is thrust forward. His expression is set in fiercely determined lines. His body is straining toward the goal. His every nerve is tense. His breath is coming in gasps. And his whole being is stretched to the utmost. What was the prize he zealously sought? The high calling of God. Or the high call of God or the calling on high. Either way, Paul wanted to be a way out front winner. He didn't want to just drag through that finish tape. He wanted to break it before anybody else did. Amen. Now he turns his attention from an autobiographical stance into to focusing on us, the church, and we're headed towards the close here. Verses 15 and 16. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. What mind? What is he talking about? Pursuing that for which he laid hold of us. Having a passion for Christ as our primary passion in life. And he says, if we consider ourselves spiritually mature, we will have the same mind, the same passion, the same aspirations he did. So are you mature tonight? Am I mature tonight? I want to be. Do you? I love Paul. I love this man of God. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, he goes on to say, let us walk by the same rule. Let us all be of the same mind. As I think and view things, as I think and view things, says Paul, so should you also, as God's church. We're not to be spectators on the sidelines, we are all to be in the same game. Pushing the same gospel football downfield. Not sitting on the bench. And not all the Philippians were mature. And he knew it. Some were what he called otherwise minded. Many of Paul's contemporaries did not see him as the hero we do. Uh, They thought he was a dangerous fanatic. They thought he kind of had a screw loose. And you know what? If you have a passion for Christ and you get around religious people, they'll look at you the same way. Because religious people, they got a bunch of rules and regulations. That's all they know. If you go in there and say, Oh, I'm in love with Jesus, they go, Uh huh. Oh, how wonderful. But inside they're thinking, Where's the exit door? But if you love Jesus with great passion, you're normal. That's normal Christianity. That's normal Christianity. Verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Take me as your model, Paul says, and also model yourselves after other men pursuing the same spiritual goals I am. This was not egotism. He was not ego tripping when he said, let me be your model. Keep in mind the Holy Ghost was guiding Paul's pen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So there was no better human example than Paul in that day. He was the ideal missionary, ideal pastor, ideal Bible teacher, ideal practitioner of the faith. There was nobody better. Not one person on earth was better than Paul. So he said, so model yourself after me. As long as I follow Christ, you can follow me. True humility does not consist in depreciating our attainments as though we're inferior when we may have a gift of a very high order it's okay to pretend that we can't do something we can do is not humility it's hypocrisy it's dishonesty oh you have such a beautiful voice oh no i really don't it's just garbage hallelujah don't compliment me listen we know Every good and perfect gift came down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of change. So if somebody says, wow, you're, you're really a, a good minister of the Word, I say, thank you. I really do appreciate that. And, and I receive that. That's okay. I don't go, no, you know, I think I'm pretty crummy, you know, I'm just trying to get by. Don't have false humility. It's not impressive. What you need to be sure you do is give God the glory and the praise. I've told you my habit, my habit is, and, and Kathy will attest to this, after every service, Wednesday or Sunday, when we go home, first thing I do before I eat something or take a nap or whatever, I find a place and I get on my knees and I say, God, I give you the glory for what happened today. I know who did it and I give you the glory. My dogs know I do it. They, they greet me there, all of them licking at my face in the edge of the bed, but I still get it out. <laughs> they know that's where I'm going to go. I give God the glory. I'm not stupid. I know who does this. And I give him the glory. And that's the important thing. Now, as he comes to the end of the chapter, he weeps over false brethren. And let's look at this. A little somber, but it ends on a high note in just a moment. But verses 18 and 19 of chapter 3 of Philippians, he says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose god is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things now I want you to hear something in this man the sadness over the enemies of the gospel paul wept with cries and tears for the enemies of Christ as much as he did for those that fell under their spell now I'm going to be honest with you tonight folks when I see the enemies of the cross of Christ on television or, or hear them on the radio, and I, I feel them encroaching on American liberties and freedom, I wish I could tell you I felt overwhelmed with grief for them. I get mad at them. And I'm, I'm wanting, I wish I could be to the place where I also wept. I want to go grab them and say, Fool, you're not taking our nation down. If I can help it, if you want to go to hell, go to hell. But don't take everybody else with you. Paul, he would weep. I, I wish I were there. I want to be there. Do you? Their end was going to be destruction, and he knew it. They were on the way to a Christless eternity. The thought of where they were going broke his heart. Now, finally, the chapter closes on a glorious note. I want you to stand with me. We're going to read this together and finish chapter three. Amen. Isn't this good? Good stuff. Now, let's read together. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he going to do? He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Give him praise tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father, right now we thank you that when you laid hold of us, Lord, and pulled us out of our sin, you seized us and placed us in Christ, and yes, we repented, and yes, Lord, we admitted our sin, but we were captured by grace. Lord, help us tonight to make it our sole target. To lay hold of that for which you lay hold of us. I pray that you will bring progressive revelation to every person in this sanctuary, including me, of what that is for each of us as individuals. What that is. And that we would finish our course fulfill our calling and hear well done good and faithful servant on that great day thank you Lord for giving us such an incredible purpose in life amen in Jesus name let's worship just for a moment oh let's lift our hands and thank the one who laid hold of us Worthy, worthy. He laid hold God. of us. worthy, worthy is the Come on, sing it again. Oh, God, worthy. I just you men. David C. is going to be having a men's meeting at 7.30 Saturday morning. And uh, they have a great breakfast, I know, and they get together in fellowship and share a good word. So you men are certainly welcome to go. I'm I'm so thankful for a church that I really believe is seeking God and uh, growing in grace. That really blesses me.